Welcome back to part two of my conversation here in the booth with Daniel Denovi, my friend for about 10 years and a subconscious master himself, that's for sure. So we just left off on part one talking about hypnosis, and we're going to roll right on with that. So, Daniel, let's let's just continue to talk about this state of mind where we are perceptible called the hypnotic state. Well, first off, I, I guess I need to say that uh, the traditional idea of hypnosis is that hypnotic trance is some altered state of awareness or some something not normal. The question more isn't whether or not you are in trance or out of trance or can go into trance. It's what trance are you in? <laughs> At any given moment. Right? At any given moment, because trance is a very natural state. It's a learning state for the most part. And we can, I'd like to talk a little bit about the hypnagogic state of children and how we programmed at those early ages, but you wanted to talk about that hypnotic show. Well, you're so what you're, I think what you're saying is I do this a lot. I do this a lot. I'll be in the kitchen and I'll be doing something and my mind is not present. I'm not right there. Yes, I know. I narrated 25 audiobooks for Fred Dodson. I'm still working on it. <laughs> it's my path. And I'll be thinking about something else and I'll do something or I'll set the phone down or I'll, you know, whatever. And then go back and try to find whatever it was. And I have no mental recollection of that action. I cannot find that action in my mind. I presume that I'm in a semi-trance state to that awareness that's right in front of me. That's right. You get caught up in that internal dialogue. And that internal dialogue becomes your reality. And you've washed, you've washed dishes so many other times in your life that you can do that. Your other than conscious can handle that task without much input from you mm -hmm. or much sharing of information. Okay. So, yes, let's talk about this little show real quick because I think that's a good springboard for you to answer a lot of questions for people about is it real, what's really going on, what's behind the curtain. Come on, Daniel, tell us. You've been doing this for a long time. So we went to this uh, comedic hypnotist, and he put about, I don't know, a dozen, 15 people up on the stage. I think... Uh, four of them were asked to leave. The rest stayed up. And there were some people that were, I mean, unless they were paid actors and actresses in the audience, which I doubt they were, they were really responding to his commands. Well, trance in general, um, it's, there's no one, let me go back here. Uh, science it cannot actually identify what specifically a trance is or when somebody is in it. It can occur on all the different uh, brainwave frequencies. Uh, trance is just a, a relaxing of the conscious mind, the, the conscious uh, filtering, and it allows the other-than-conscious mind to move forward. So what we call trance is really an opening up of the other-than-conscious mind to take in information. And if there's low level of fear then you'll get a higher level of participation in, say, a hypnotic client or a person from the stage. What would you call those? A spectator yeah, or a participant. Audience participant, yeah. yeah. And you said fear, but would you also say skepticism? Well, skepticism is fear. You know, those people that say, I'm highly skeptical, or it's really fear of being hoodwinked, of 
you know, buying succumbing to this dude. Right. Yeah. Okay. All and right. that makes sense. Even the people that tell me now, this is like, well, I can't be hypnotized. And actually anybody can be hypnotized. And when I tell them that, well, usually people of low intelligence have a difficulty being, you know, hypnotized. It's just that you haven't been invited to participate. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> now you haven't been appropriately invited to participate on the other than conscious level. If you just think about how the your mind will follow anything that is put out there and just to make sense of it. Mm. If I begin talking about the ceiling, you begin to entertain the ceiling, whether it's the ceiling here or the ceiling where you are. If I begin talking about the floor, I can talk about the different material on the floor and the mix of then you start processing that 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 conversation. It's what the mind does. So some people are more willing to go along with conversations than others. If you have a, a, a strong internal dialogue, you tend to not go into trance as easily. You know, somebody else's trance. You're in your own trance. And for if that fear level, the fear level is really huge. If, you're, if you have a fear about being taken advantage of or buying something that you don't really want to buy, then you will be more apt to put up those barriers Uh and it also gets in the way of engaging fully in life. That fear gets in the way because you don't want to let loose. And the, the, the control is really key. Part of the reason people say they have a hard time meditating or going into trance, it's fear. Because it's like, I don't know what's there. I don't know what's beyond that. And there's that part of your mind that's always analyzing. You know, let's say it's meditation, and you're trying to relax. And after a minute in, you want to go for 15 minutes, a minute in, you say, is it time yet? Is it time yet? How much, how much longer is it going to take? And you might feel something in a part of your mind's going, is this it? Is this what they're talking about? I don't think this is it. And so there's this, this monitoring <laughs> of over-controlling your experience. And it's been said that those are people that start meditating uh, and trying to induce trance that 75% of them, their anxiety actually increases because of that internal dialogue. Mm. And it's not about shutting the mind off. Trance is not about shutting the mind off. It's about suspending your thought, suspending and just taking in your, your experience. And like you said before, like there were four people that were dismissed, even getting those people up on stage the, the stage hypnotist will go through a series of questions and, and get different responses. He'll get people to raise their hand and stand up and just move to the stage. And if someone doesn't move fast enough, they'll tell them, oh, sit down. Mm. And so by the time you get people up on stage, they're a lot more compliant. They're either highly suggestible or, and that's not a bad thing. Uh, it actually means that you can program your experience of life much easier than some people. Or uh, you, your imagination, you just want to go along. You're a good pleaser. And that you will go along with the suggestion, even though it doesn't feel like you're really in trance. They'll go through the motions, and they'll put on a good show. Okay, so let me ask you one before we move on to the next section here, is brainwave states. So there are a lot of these binaural beats and alpha states and beta states. And Kelly Howell, whose uh, audio programs I've mentioned on here before, are very big on that. Does that play into this? Is there a parallel? Is there any synergy there? There's synergy. There are certain brave wave states that are conducive to certain thought patterns. Beta is going to be more of your conscious uh, conversation, internal dialogue. 
alpha state, you're a lot more receptive. That is the flow state where you're uh, kind of more in the moment. More conscious, right? Uh, more conscious, but with less conscious, um, what's the word? Uh, Friction, resistance. Resistance editing. Yeah. Okay. And theta is considered, you know, there's theta healing, and theta is that, that state just between waking and sleeping. And it is a time when you're most suggestible just naturally. And delta is when you're out of it. Deep rest, body's recovering. Most people live in, in and out of these different states all the time. The average person will go in and out of trance every 30 to 45 minutes. Uh, profound trance. And most people may have caught themselves looking at a spot on the wall or a spot on the floor and, and suddenly realize they're lost in thought. And they think, oh, I'm just looking at that spot on the floor. But you actually went through a whole process of self-hypnosis when you're processing that. Anytime you go inside your head and you're not present in the outside world, you're in trance. Mm, okay. Anytime you're thinking and processing something, that's programming. And there's a, well, there's a relationship that you build with the other than conscious mind. And, and a lot of people ask the question, well, why do I think negative thoughts? Or why do I, why don't I like live the life I want? Why do, why do I not have an affirmation and it come true just like that? And part of that is alignment. Because some people have, you know, they have a belief, they have a narrative, they have a story about who they are and what's possible for them. Capacity, your self-concept is a, has a determining factor in your experience of life, who you think you are, how much you can achieve, how smart you are, how dumb you are, your, you know, how comfortable you are with other people. All that stuff is taken into account and develops a narrative about what's possible for you. And the truth is at any given moment, anything is possible. But we get caught up in that, the grand illusion that the world that you come to know to be is the way it is. And really, it's just whatever you want to adopt at that given moment. When I ask people, how do you know who you are? There's usually that dead, like, uh, uh. <laughs> and it's really how most day in, day out, how do you validate who you are? How do you know? Who is Daniel? Who is Thomas? Who and is Sarah or Jane or Fred or, yeah. Now, you'll have a lot of people that say, like, I am Daniel. And I have always said, my name is Daniel. Mm -hmm. Right. And to remove those identifying uh, concepts, I happen to be a man. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Um, I live in Texas. I'm not a Texan. I grew up in Michigan. I'm not a Michigander. Uh, sounds like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> but it's we define ourselves through those I am statements. Well, that's why and I think Wayne Dyer and in the Bible, you know, that I am is such a powerful declarative statement. Yeah. And but the more you lose your identifying boundaries and become a, a citizen of the universe rather than a citizen of, you know, whatever state or family you're in. Um, I grew up with the benefit of not having a clearly, clearly, uh, clearly defined heredity. Uh, my last name is French. Um, on my mother's side, I'm Polish and Czechoslovakian. On my dad's side, it's French, Belgium, Irish, 
there's Indian and or Native American. Uh, and I grew up with this idea that I was just a mutt. <laughs> I was I was an American mongrel. Aww. I was an American mongrel, so with no clear like no no way I had to be identity. And there was this concept that I, I embraced too that I saw these French men when I was younger kissing, like in a greeting, and I thought, well, they'd never do that here in the United States. I said, but I pondered if I lived and grew up in France, I bet you I would, it, because it would be culturally normal. Then I began questioning like. So what other things do I consider normal that might not be, it's just a function of growing up where I am. And later after traveling you know, to 22 different countries, I realized that people are basically the same, but a lot of the fine points are just culturally, you know, all the beliefs are, are culturally ingrained and accepted. And when I said that people move in and out of trance all the time, and it's the perfect learning state as a child, you come in and you're basically somewhat of a blank slate. There's some preponderances. There's some tendencies to move in a particular direction or have a particular aspect of your personality. But for the most part, these little children move around completely in trance. And you think about it. They learn an entire language or the, most of a language by the time they're three. And they learn how to dress themselves and manipulate their environment and, you know, persuade mom or dad to do what they want. Uh, they, a lot of the beliefs are adopted by modeling and matching your parents. And most of us have a way of being or relating to other people that's a conglomeration of mom and dad. And you, we may have tended towards modeling one parent or the other. So this modeling goes on. We have adopted beliefs and values about what's right, what's not right, all at the unconscious level. And that's, that's very, it has a very good function for a, an organism because then it, it, you just absorb that learning and you're what somewhat, um, you can make it in the world. You basically get the skills and that you picked up other than consciously. So by the time you're an adult, you spend most of your time trying to undo the things that were programmed in you when you were a child. And it's not... It's not necessarily that someone was trying to do something bad to you. In some cases, your parents weren't that nice. Yeah. Other, other times, there's no owner's manual. They were doing the best they could. And sometimes they kind of screwed it up. Growing so, up is tough. So my definition of maturity is are you consciously choosing your life now or are you operating out of your own programs or programming of your parents? And even if it's a knee-jerk response to move away from, you know, what your parents taught you, that's you're still operating from your programming. So it's making a conscious choice, and I see that as the adventure of being human, of moving the unconscious processes, programs, into conscious choice and saying, do I want to keep this or do I want to release it? Boy, that's been what this podcast, our work, your work has been all about is working on that programming. That's amazing. What with this whole concept of trance, hypnotic state, that we are constantly in it one way or another, how can we use that to help ourselves? What can we do ourselves to use those tools to help us advance or expedite some reprogramming for ourselves? Well, to visit uh, are the different trance states that we're in, we have a getting dressed trance, a, a 
eating trance, a brushing our teeth trance, a driving trance, showering trance, making love trance. Um, there's a, a pattern of behavior that from an economy of thought is relegated to our other than conscious mind. Now, I just want to quickly specify, I've been saying other than conscious mind a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's a gift from my one of my mentors, Dave Dobson, a brilliant hypnotist. But you'll find in culture, they talk about the unconscious, subconscious. I talk about the other than conscious now. So what are the different distinctions? From Freud, we got the unconscious. And it was the dark basement. It was the, the unknown, the hidden. Shadow. And, and we were unconscious or not consciously aware of that aspect of our mind. Then in the 60s, the human potential movement, we got the subconscious mind. The idea that it kind of operated, like we weren't unconscious to it, but it operated underneath our conscious awareness most of the time. The other than conscious referred to, you know, all that that isn't consciousness. And since I've leaned towards and had a lot of mystical experiences, I also include that into, include superconsciousness, intuition, psychic ability, mass consciousness, it's a picking up what they call non-local consciousness. Okay. And so the other than conscious is that entire realm. So one of the ways we can get leverage on over these programs is to recognize when there's a pattern and then interrupt it. Like real, like tie your shoes instead of the right shoe. If you're right hand, instead of starting with the right shoe, start with the left and you're in the shower. Um, Instead of starting with the same body part, put the soap in your other hand and start somewhere else on your body. Most people will go through a whole process and start with one body part, the next body part, and finish up the same place every time. And it's familiar. If right now you were to take your hands and lace the fingers together and lay the thumbs on top of each other, that's, that's a predictable pattern. Now take your thumbs and reverse them and put the other thumb on top. Feels awkward. It feels awkward. And that is just interrupting a habitual pattern. And I, I say to people, and I say it with the greatest amount of respect, that your persona, who you think you are, is really just a collection of knee-jerk, habitual, learned responses. And that we've adopted along the way in order to survive childhood with the least amount of pain and the most amount of pleasure. So those programs that, are, that we have inside of us, for the most part, are to fit in, to be part of the herd. Because we all know that there's pain when we stick our head up or, or out or try and separate ourselves from the herd. Like we get reeled back in. Like who are you to think about that? And in fact, that's the title of my book that I'm writing, Just Who Do You Think You Are? <laughs> Good. All right, let's stop here, and we'll roll this into part three. Let's do some Q&A on part three. We've had some great questions come up from folks in the Facebook group. Okay. So let's attack those for you. We will answer your questions with Daniel Dano V in Subconscious Mind Mastery, part three. Enjoy the journey. Perfect. The opinions on this podcast are those of the host based on personal experience only and are not intended as medical or psychological advice. If you are experiencing symptoms that require professional treatment, please contact a licensed medical practitioner.
The stories and opinions expressed on this podcast are independently those of the host and guests and are not intended to be taken as medical advice or to replace medical care from a licensed professional when appropriate.